Welcome to the Beyond Success Podcast, a collection of conversations with the best business minds, captains of industry, and entrepreneurs in the world. Learn what their journey has taught them, how they applied the lessons they learned, and ultimately created six, seven, and even eight-figure businesses. We can't create successful businesses by ourselves, so sit back and let the Beyond Success Podcast be your mentor. Now, here's your host, author, entrepreneur, public speaker, and master money manifester, Daniel Mangana. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the podcast. I'm here to give you guys a secret weapon that's in my arsenal. I'm here to pull back the curtain on what makes things work for me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stop hogging the goodness and share with you my personal money mentor. Now, and you see my personal money mentor, he's the person that we have in our Micro to Millions program, leading the charge on people getting back control of their money, getting the actual frameworks and structures in place so that they can multiply their money. We'll talk a bit more about that and be their own bank. You may have heard of mythical private banking system. Here's the man that actually makes sure that the people in our community actually get their set up. Without further ado, the one, the only, Chris Frickin' Nor- we're on the show. Hey, doing, buddy? Going great. What an intro, man! Thank you. <laughs> I'm like sitting there. I'm in suspense with how I'm like. Whoa. Who is this person? Who is this? Oh, it's me. It's me. <laughs> Wait, me? Oh, okay. <laughs> Chris, you're every week showing up and serving not just people in America, but people all over the world with strategies that are killing the game. And one of the guys in my community that took advantage of something that you shared. Uh, I hope she won't mind me mentioning. Jill is killing the game with land. She just did another deal uh, two days ago. I'm just watching people flourish with everything that you're supporting them with. So thank you. Um, the Money School is an amazing resource. I'm just so glad that our people get to, to be a part of. So I wanted to just, you know, lift you up and admonish you for all you're doing and say thank you here on the podcast. And I'm going to shut up now and let you actually introduce yourself to the listeners. Who are you and what do you do? Yeah. Before I do that, I just want to say thank you for bringing that up. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, well, why do you do what you do if you don't make any money, (laughs) give everything away for free? And, you know, it's like that's the thing that I think so many people are missing is Mm -hmm. if you give, you get. Now, we all have heard that it's cliche by this point, Mm -hmm. but I am living proof. And the, the truth of the matter is, and we'll talk a little bit about my backstory is I didn't always have that men- that mentality. I, I was always me, me, me. Like, how do I make more? How do I have more? How do I, you know, do all these things for me? Mm-hmm. And every single time when I focused on me, me making mm-hmm. more money, me having better, bigger cars, bigger houses and things like that, it was always taken from me. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of your audience and a lot of people I talk to and in, in your programs always relate to that because we've all ridden the roller coaster ride. And, mm-hmm. you know, I take it back a little bit because I, I don't often get to really kind of go into my story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I grew up in a lower middle class family. Uh, my dad was an alcoholic. My mom raised me. And, uh, you know, I know that's not the norm for everybody, but that was my norm. And Mm. I just wanted more. And my mom always taught me, even though we don't have things, you can dream things. And, you know, when I was a kid, it was always skateboards or dirt bikes or BMX bikes. But here's what, you know, I always thought everybody did this. I would focus so intently 
on these things. I mean, I, I can go back to the GT Pro Performer. Not anyone that you know was a kid that had a bicycle. Like that was the ultimate bike. And I had BMX Plus, and I would I would dream of this bike. I would draw this bike. I would draw myself on this bike. And of course that bike became reality, even though I didn't have the money, but that mm-hmm. bike appeared in my life. The same thing happened with skateboards and snowboards and, and the dirt bike, the KX 125 that I always wanted. And I'm not trying to kind of talk about things, but like, listen, like we didn't have the means to have those things. Those mm-hmm. things happened because I never, ever stopped thinking about those. I never stopped dreaming about them. And I never stopped envisioning in my mind myself mm-hmm taking part in that act. And mm-hmm. because of that, they just miraculously happened. And I just thought, wow, that's great. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. that's hard work, but that's just that. No, no, it's not hard work so much that makes that happen. It's a universal law. Mm-hmm. So let's fast forward through, you know, when I was uh, in my teens, I came up with this new dream. I had been introduced to, I was a skateboard kid, but I was introduced to snowboarding and I, more than anything, I wanted to be a pro snowboarder. There was this one rider, Craig Kelly, and and then Ted A. Hawkinson a little bit later. They were like my two icons. And they were Mm -hmm. like legends of the snowboard world. And I just wanted what they had. And I live in Buffalo, New York. There's no mountains here. There's hills. And, and, and Dan, like one of the things that I'll never forget, and I tell this story quite a bit is, you know, even though we didn't have mountains, what I had was the willingness to do what everybody else was unwilling to do. And I had a country club not far from my school. So my mom, you know, either I would have her pick me up from school every once in a while and drop me off at this country club. And we'd go in on the side road because obviously that it belonged, but it was wintertime and it was a, it was a big ravine. Okay. This, mm-hmm. this country club is just a giant ravine. And if you've ever been to a golf course, there's, there's, you know, sand traps, but well, the sand traps are, are on the hill. So what I figured out is I said, I could start at the top of this ravine and I can go into these sand traps and I can build jumps out of them, which means then I have a landing. So I started doing this. I started doing this after school. And I remember after school, I'd only have a few hours before dark. So mm-hmm. I had to get there and I had to build the jump and I had to have in my mind the tricks I wanted to learn. I would run up the hill and just keep running and running. And every time my mom would get there too early. So I started, you know, getting tired. So I'd take breaks and I said, all right, if I'm going to really make this professional thing happen, I got to get in better shape. So like Mm -hmm. then I, I like started running in school and after school and getting in shape Mm -hmm. so that I could run that stupid ravine faster and, (laughs) and, I, I, of course, you know, I, I did end up becoming a pro snowboarder. There's a lot more to that story. But again, what I'm trying to instill is I didn't have any advantages. I didn't have a hill. I didn't have money to go to the resorts that were by our, our house. I had a stupid golf course that had like the ability for me to learn tricks that I watch in the videos. And that's what just I just going down sandbanks. You didn't have a, you didn't have snow. You didn't, you just made well, no, no, there was, there was snow. I'm sorry. Well, we get okay. a lot of snow in Buffalo. So, <laughs> no, no. So it's just a sand trap. So, you know, yeah. it, you know, if you look at a golf course, you know, it's like where they don't want their ball to go. That's what I would use to build my job. Because so you were just already- making out of these little mini ravines, just with the snow that was there, not a resort, not a snowboarding ramp, not even a dry slope, just makeshift boots and straps, dirt and the spit and sawdust. And you became a pro off the back of that. 
I did. And in the summer months, I realized that a lot of the pro snowboarders had the money to go to Mount Hood, Oregon and ride all summer, but I didn't have the luxury. And and I'll tell the story of when I actually went there first, I won a contest. They put me in Mount Hood as my first experience, but in the summers I couldn't snowboard. So what I did is, you know, we saved up and we got a trampoline. I think I asked for it for my birthday and I taped the edges of my snowboard because they're all metal with I had socks and I put duct tape on and I would go out there and I would just bounce on that trampoline and I would practice trick after trick. So like, you know, form and style was everything in snowboarding. So I would literally practice these tricks in the back of my house in the middle of summer, sweating my butt off. And I would just make sure that they were perfect in every, every manner. Like when I did a method, I had to be a specific way. It was, uh, what was that? On a trampoline, you were using a trampoline to practice your snowboarding tricks. Like I didn't have snow in the summer and I didn't have the means to go to Mount Hood, Oregon, like the the rich kids or the pro snowboarders. Every summer, those pro snowboarders that, you know, Craig Kelly and Kitty, they were they were somewhere where there was snow. They had the means or they worked themselves to the point where somebody else was paying where they could be on the snow all year. I couldn't. So what am I going to do? Am I going to just sit there and watch videos all summer? No, I figured out and I don't remember how it happened. I think, you know, I saw it on a video. They were bouncing on a trampoline. I'm like, I can do that. And, Mm -hmm. and that is single-handedly like one of the things I can say to my pro snowboard career that was so unique is I might not have been the absolute best snowboarder, but what I was is probably one of the best competitive riders because I could land my tricks every time with precision. And I, I, I lend a lot of that back just to my, my consistent and persistent activities that I did, whether it was mm-hmm. a trampoline or that sand trap, or mm-hmm. I just was so focused on making everything look perfect and being able mm-hmm. to do it every time. But I mean, Hey, when you're in your backyard bouncing on a trampoline, <laughs> every bounce is another hit, right? Every bounce mm-hmm. is another jump. And I don't know how many of your listeners have ever bounced on a trampoline, but that that's pretty tiring. Yeah. I last just, year, just exercise. Yeah, last year I met my friends and he had a trampoline. I'm like, Oh, let me get on this. And I, I did two backflips and I was exhausted. I'm like, how did I used to <laughs> bounce for hours on this thing? <laughs> no, trampoline is supposed to be really, really great exercise. It's yeah. like... <laughs> It's, a, it's amazing. So, listeners, I just want you to just clue into something. We're here talking about being beyond success, right? We're here talking about going beyond the convention, going beyond the limitations, going beyond the obstacles. And here was a young man who had no snow. He had every reason to have excuses, but still found a way to embody his manifestation in seemingly, I've never, I would never think connect snowboarding and trampling in order to make it work, but you did. It's a testament to you. Thank you. I did. And, you know, so like that was the thing. And then, you know, when it really got serious and I was, Mm -hmm. I was really good. I was winning all the local contests at the Hills around here. The big stuff was going on out in Vermont because back Mm -hmm. then Vermont was like the the epicenter of all the big events. The, Mm -hmm. there wasn't Olympics, you know, for snowboarding back then, but there was, you know, X games were just coming around and, you know, I had to travel to Vermont almost on a weekly basis. So Mm -hmm. I'll never forget, you know, me and my friend Ben would get in my car. And I think back then, what did I have? I had a, a Chrysler LeBaron. It was like my third third car or whatever it was. And Ben had some little Chrysler too. And we would pick a car and we would drive. We'd leave Friday night. My mom hated this. We would drive 
all night long and we were just so excited. I mean, I, I'm not even going to get into the things we did in the car to stay awake, but like we just listened to punk rock and anything we could just loud and just stay awake. And we get there in the morning, usually right as the sun's coming up, pull in the parking lot, always that front row seat. And we would get an hour or two of, of sleep before we went in for registration. And then we're on the hill all day competing. And back in those days, it was, you know, half pipe and slope style. So you just hiked the hill. You could mm-hmm. take the lift, but it just took too much time to take the lift to the top, ride down to the hill. I would get three runs in for every one run the person that took the lift got, you know, plus I'm not going <laughs> to, this is illegal, but I didn't have money for a lift ticket. So mm-hmm. I had money for gas to get there, but man, the lift tickets, it's like 80 bucks. I didn't have that. So I, all right, I'll hike up the hill. And wow. uh, I did that almost every weekend. Me and Ben hopped in the car. We would mm-hmm. get there Saturday. We'd compete Saturday. We'd sleep on somebody's floor or couch, or if we were lucky, a bed, you know, one of the other competitor or other riders. And then Sunday we'd compete all day. We'd mm-hmm. eat and then we'd get back in the car and drive home. And sometimes we had run out of money because we had to buy a ticket because they wouldn't let us up the hill. And then if we did that, we would have to take our winnings because a lot of times they'd get, you'd win snowboards and jackets and we would sell them to the other competitors that didn't win to make money to get home. So that's how I did it. I did it that's over and over again. That's yeah. So it was, it was interesting. And then when I was mm-hmm. 16, you know, I'd always worked on a farm in the summer. That's how I made money for gas and my dirt bikes. But mm-hmm. then when I was 16, I got a big boy job at a restaurant. I remember being super excited. Oh, I've got a you know, real job. And mm-hmm. they degraded me so badly at this restaurant. I'll never forget. After a little while, I ended up coming in. I was clinically depressed because of this boss who just like made me know that I couldn't do anything. And I quit. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming home to my mom and I said, mom, I quit my job thinking she was going to be mad. And I had an idea because I, I was the kind of kid that was like, all right, I can't do this without having a plan. So I said, I want to start a clothing line in the basement. And I had come up with this name, Fat Clothing Company, P-H-A-T. And back then that meant cool. So mm-hmm. I started this clothing line in my mom's basement and I printed shirts after school with my art teacher, Mr. Mahalski, made a dozen mm-hmm. shirts, sold them, made two dozen. And then as I was traveling with the snowboard competitions, I would stop at all the shops along the way because it's a six hour drive to Vermont, actually seven hours to Vermont. But mm-hmm. we mapped out where all the shops were and I'd stop and I'd get to know the shop owners and the, the kids working there. And I would say, hey, you guys think you could, you know, carry my sh- my clothing in here. And if it sells, you know, when I'm back through next time, I'll just, I'll pick up whatever you guys sell. We'll just keep a log, you know, consignment. And then things started selling. And then all of a sudden they started making orders and just paying me instead of consignment. So that all of a sudden became my job. So mm-hmm. my snowboarding, which was my dream and my mm-hmm. clothing line fit right into that. So that's mm-hmm. what I started doing. I did that for a little over a year. And mm-hmm. when I was 17, I had three seamstresses working for me, sewing mm-hmm. shirts and jackets and, and I was selling clothing and I got this idea. I'm like, you know, why am I doing this when I can just open my own store called mm-hmm. Fat Man and I can mm-hmm. sell my clothing? And, and that was my next big dream. So on this journey, I think I was a semi, I was an amateur at that time snowboarding. And I, I was trying to start this skateboard snowboard shop and I needed money. This is the first point in my life where like I needed a big sum of money. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I need $70,000 to open this store. I'm mm-hmm. going to go around and ask everybody I think or everybody I know that if I can borrow the money. And mm-hmm. of course, Dan, you know, I, everybody told me no. <laughs> 
<laughs> you're crazy kid. Like how 70 grand. Like how would you 18 at this time? 17, 17 at this time when yeah. I started this journey, I was 18 mm-hmm. when the store opened. Cause I, my mm-hmm. birthday is in July and we opened November of 94. Mm-hmm. So I remember going around and everybody told me, no, me and my father got into it. And cause I'd asked him and he said, you're, you know, you're crazy kid, go get a job at the factory. I'll get you an interview. And I said, dad, that's not my dream. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, anyway, long story, I almost gave up. But then mm-hmm. my mother saw all this happening. Now, my mom at the time, I don't remember, I think she was still running the daycare out of the house, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't making much, but she, she had the house out of the divorce. Now I want to be clear to everybody listening. The house I grew up in and the house my mother still lives in is a 700 square foot, two bedroom ranch. So this was the only possession my mother had outside of a lawnmower and some other things. Now my mom saw her son, me, who was gonna let his dreams fail and just go by the wayside because everybody sold, told me no. And she did something crazy and she put that house on the line so her punk snowboard kid could chase his dream. And I, I remember like, you know, I didn't think of it. I'm of course I'm 17. I'm like, yeah, of course I'll do this. Let's go mom. But that was stupid. Like I could have very well lost my mom's house back Mm -hmm. then, you know, 1994 skateboard snowboard shops were like, that was like brand new. They weren't even Mm -hmm. around. Like it was such a risky thing. And, and I had to grow up really fast. So, you know, from 18 straight on through, I owned those shops for 16 years until 2010 when I sold them, they're still open today. You can Google fat man board shops and see the stores that I created, but that was another dream. And I'm trying to, I'm telling you this story in detail because I never get to, but all I want you to everybody to understand is like, I had every single thing stacked against me, everything. Mm-hmm. I didn't have mm-hmm. money. I, I, you know, I was running a small clothing line, so I wasn't making much more than enough to get me to the hill. My mom had no money. My family wouldn't give me any money. And, and like, I had everything against me, but I, I, sometimes you have to realize in life, and I didn't know this then, but you, it, it's not about your actual resources. It's about mm-hmm. how resourceful you can be. And you've heard that one before, but that's mm-hmm. how I did it. So let me kind of fast forward, just get through it. Cause I'm taking a long time with this story, but <laughs> you know, I go into the early two thousands, I had three shops opened. So I had three locations. I was a pro snowboarder traveling on the national circuit. You would think I had the dream life and I did. And then the early mm-hmm. dot com crash happened. The planes hit the tower and my business fell 30%. I didn't even know what a recession was. Mm -hmm. I had no clue. I was just so, I was like, why is everything falling apart? Why am I not able to pay my bills? Why can't I make my car payment? And it was because I didn't understand what a recession meant. So I had to get Mm -hmm. a job and I was going to deliver pizzas or, you know, put a resume out. And my resume landed in the hands of Wall Street, of all the places for a punk snowboard kid to land. I ended up getting a job literally in the financial industry. And Mm -hmm. I'll never forget. Like it's so clear. It's almost like it's yesterday. I remember those times. I I didn't want to be a financial advisor, but I'd watch that movie Wall Street because after I got accepted, I'm like, this could be kind of cool. Be a stockbroker. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that movie, right? With Michael yeah, Douglas. Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. I'm like, well, this is kind of cool, right? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, Brad Fox. <laughs> I was Brad Fox. Um, So I I got into the industry and what changed is I actually liked it. I liked helping people. I was really good at it. I mean, I was a good salesperson because of the store. So I was super good at it. And I I remember my first year in that business, I made $74,000. And that was more money than I'd 
ever made in my entire life. And I'm like, holy smokes. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, the next year I made, I think almost a hundred and it just kept mm-hmm. going up. So here I am this young kid who's never really had much, but I've chased my dreams. Now I'm making all this money. But the cool thing that happened is during this whole period, I'm, I'm working in wall street and I still had my stores, but I wasn't working in my stores as much. I was working on the stores. So I was working on the business, not in the business. And most business owners know it or not, they're working in their business. They're, mm. They create their own destiny and they feel like they have to be at their business working or their business dies. And through unfortunate or what you call them, unfortunate or unplanned events, I'm now not working in the business because I couldn't, I had to go out and make money, but now I'm working on the business and, and you know exactly what happens when somebody hits that realization or they start working on it, not in it my business mm-hmm. took off and my mm-hmm. financial business took off. So in the 2000s, I was crushing it, making mm-hmm. a lot of money as a young, mm-hmm. you know, 20 some year old. And, you know, I flipped a couple houses, 2006 and seven, 2008, I bought a dilapidated paint store to move my flagship fat man store into. And then I borrowed 340 or 370 grand from a hard money lender. And well, you know what happened in 08, the great yeah, recession. hit. I, I got taken out in 08 too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it took me straight to my knees and it was like getting hit by Mack truck and so bad that I'll never forget. I was, I was done. I, I was going bankrupt. That's all I could think about. I'm done. Everything I've worked for is over. I've failed. And I remember one night I came home, my girlfriend just moved into my house and she was like that trophy girl that I was like, Oh gosh, man, how do I, how did I do this? But I came mm-hmm. home and I said, sweetie, I need your help. I need your help paying the mortgage. I need your help paying the utilities. And by the way, my friend Pete's moving into that bedroom and Jessica, because these are friends of ours, is moving in upstairs because I can't make it. It was the mm-hmm. first time I let her know how bad things were. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, this this cute little girl is going to run out the door and I'm never going to see her again. But she didn't. I think she kind of liked me. And uh, <laughs> she is seriously one of the, the main reasons I made it through 2008 without going bankrupt. But it was by the skin of my teeth. 2009 to 14, like I started getting back on the, the saddle. I bought 36 units during that period. You'd think everything was going great. And then in 2014, I lost it all. I had to sell every one of those 36 units. I was using bank money. The bank was mm-hmm. in control. I was not. I hit my debt ceiling, which is called mm-hmm. debt to income ratio, and the bank froze my lines. And then that was it. And I had to sell everything. So you can see the roller coaster 2000s, killing it. Mm-hmm like hit a little snag, got a job, killing it again, lost it all. 2014, I was on top. We had our dream house. I had the Audis in the garage, like life was good. Um, and then I lost it all again. And it, that this was the one that, this is the, the straw that broke the camel's back because when that period hit, like at that very moment, I literally started having those terrible thoughts. Like maybe I would be better off not here. Maybe mm-hmm. I am a complete failure. I can't do anything right. You know, you start... You get internalized. Now, if any of your listeners have ever been in a hard place, maybe they're in a hard place now. We're in hard times. Uh, mm-hmm. You know you know what that feeling is. And I can talk about it in hindsight now, but when I was in it, I literally thought there was no way out. Mm-hmm. I thought there's nothing I could do. There was no one that was going to save me. There was It was over. Mm-hmm. And it, my savior came in, in a way that was not what I thought. It came in the form of a postcard. I got in the mail and the postcard said, come to this three day event to learn how to flip houses. And I flip it over and on the back. And if you stay, we'll give you an iPod shuffle. 
Now I was running a lot back then trying to stay in shape. And I'm like, I don't have an iPod shuffle. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to learn how to flip houses. I just lost all my real estate. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go and get the iPod shuffle. So I had nothing mm-hmm. to lose. And I had an iPod shuffle to gain. So that got me there. Now, you've all probably experienced some type of one of these events, right? You're lured mm-hmm. in through a free offer or something. You go, you, mm-hmm. you're kind of like, should I be here? Should I not? But two people got up in the front of the room and talked. One's name mm-hmm. was Mike. One was Greg. And these two guys started talking about money. Now, the whole time they're talking about real estate and all this stuff, I just didn't care about. And then now they're talking about money and my ears perk up. I'm like, I'm an advisor. Money? Cool. That's what's going on here. But mm-hmm. then I listened to him and nothing they were saying made sense with what I had learned about money. It was totally the opposite. They're talking mm-hmm. about being their own bank and privatized banking. And they're talking about self-directed IRAs. And I'm like, well, we got those over here. Why wouldn't you just use any advisor? It was, it was literally 180 degrees difference. And I listened to mm-hmm. them. And when I got off, I started questioning every single thing that I'd been taught about money at this point. And I started saying, what else don't I know? So I signed up for this mm-hmm. course, swiped the credit card, maxed it out. And I, I started mm-hmm. then, that started my journey from, that was 2014, right through to today. I literally have made it my mission to follow the wealthy around. Now, when I say the wealthy, you can determine them to be anything. It could be the guy driving the BMW to most people. But to me, wealth was people that had, I was an advisor. So it was people that had millions of dollars to a billion dollars. That was the people I wanted to learn from because I was already helping all the other people. I wanted to know what Mm -hmm. did the elite do with money? So I'd ask Mm -hmm. them, I'd say, what do you do with money? How do you handle money? And all these questions which I'd been trained to do as an advisor, Mm -hmm. but I did it in a different way for self-realization. And I started Mm -hmm. seeing these patterns, Dan, that the wealthy used, things that they did with money, which made no bloody sense to me. But Mm -hmm. when I heard it and I saw this pattern that all of them did the same darn thing, and it was literally so close to what I'd been taught, but they're so different. Mm -hmm. I I had this this kind of almost like one of those, you know, scales. I'm like, Mm -hmm. who's right? Are they right? <laughs> or is my boss and my consultants and everybody else right over here in Wall Street? Who is telling the truth? Mm-hmm. And I had this complex, but I literally, through this process, figured out the secret or the mysteries of what the wealthy do with money that we are not taught. And I figured out why. And uh, that kind of brings me up to today. And just a couple of things I left out, me and my wife, you know, from 2018, when I retired from the financial world, we'd been flipping a lot of houses, 267 mm-hmm. to date. Uh, we got a show on HGTV, which was called Risky Builders. So we did the TV show thing and we had mm-hmm. our, our houses featured on uh, Lottery Dream Home and uh, not all those HGTV shows. But so mm-hmm. we, we did a lot of cool things. But mm-hmm. my passion today is just money, teaching people, like you said, how, how to, how to be in control. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole cool. story, man. I don't get to say that very often. Well, thank you so much. I know some of it I recognize from your books, like some pieces of it, but you've added some more, definitely some more color and texture to it. Thank you. And by the way, guys, we're going to pop some links in the show notes for you to go and grab Chris's books. They're required reading if you have any intention of actually making it happen. No matter where you are in the world, there are common ideas and you'll be able to make some things work. And I also invite you to give you the opportunity to connect with Chris's team, have a conversation with them, see how they can support you, even if it's just with information. One of the things I love about Chris, and it's one of the reasons why for me, I always feel an integrity leaving my people safely with him is that he's not trying to grab as much money as he can from you. They're trying to fill you up as much as they can because they understand about the value vacuum, which as you know, is something that we talk about a lot. So make sure you hang out with these guys. They're pretty darn cool. So just looping back in, because 
you literally were going on this roller coaster the entire time. But now you've discovered how to level that out. There are probably entrepreneurs listening who have have the fast and famine and you know they have the up, but the, there's no need for things to be like that, right? It doesn't have to be this crazy roller coaster, right? And that's very much what you empower people to do. Why don't you talk a little bit more about that and what you do with Money Multiplier and with the, the Money School and all the good things? Yeah, the roller coasters, and, and a lot of people aren't going to like this, but the truth hurts. The roller coasters you ride and everybody else rides, and you will continue to ride if you stay on that roller coaster, they can be avoided by changing one thing. And I know that you think, oh, yeah, here we go again. <laughs> that sounds too good to be true. I just got to change one thing, really, and that's going to change everything. Okay, serious is the day is long or however you want to say it. Yes, you mm-hmm. are doing something vitally wrong. Because not because you're doing something wrong because you are are wrong in what you're doing. You're doing Mm -hmm. something wrong because your whole life you've been told a lie. You've been Mm -hmm. told what to do with your money. And that is give up control of it. Think about it. Mm -hmm. Like, what do we do with our money? Like I first I got it before I tell you like what this is, I got what do we do with money? Our whole life, we're taught to go out and work for money. We are literally Mm -hmm. taught to get a job or start a company and work hard and we make money and we trade hours for dollars. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we do this and we try to escalate those dollars, consolidate, or I'm sorry, those hours, consolidate those hours. But there's one thing that all of us have the same exact amount of, and that is time. And, And when people try to maximize time to make more money, they will fail every single time because time is not what the wealthy use to make more money. See, the wealthy have have learned that you can only work so hard for the money you make, which you, everyone listening to this, you all work hard. You all know how to make money because you've been trained well. But what you've never, mm-hmm. ever been trained or taught to do is have your money work for you. That's the one thing you don't know because you've only been taught to take your money you make and I'm holding a $100 bill. You take this $100 bill and you, mm-hmm. what do you do when you make it, right? Most of you don't even think about this because it's so pre-programmed in your mind. You give it to the bank. You go into the bank, you mm-hmm. do direct deposit, whatever you do, it goes into the bank account. Mm-hmm. Now think about what you do when you go to the bank and make a deposit. You're giving the bank your money and what does the bank mm-hmm. do with your money? Do they put it in a little box in the back with their name on it? I yeah, think they don't give it to someone else. That's right. They take, one. <laughs> they take this money and they give it to as many people as they can and they make money on your money. They're mm-hmm. moving your money. You've mm-hmm. been taught to give up control of your money to somebody else so that they then in turn can then move your money, be in control of your money and make a silly amount. How much? Banks make 400 to 1300% on the money you leave there. Don't believe me? Go to BauerFinancial.com. People are always like, no, they don't. That's impossible. The bank makes three or 4% on those mortgages and they're paying me one. They're only making two. They're making, I'm telling you, they're making three to 1400% more than you are on your money. Just do the math. They dare. Mm-hmm. But what else are we taught to do? Well, I know when I was a kid, I'd, I was taught by my grandma. She said to me, she said, Chris, when you get a job, ask them if they have a 401k and then ask them if they've got one of those match programs, because don't be mm-hmm. like grandpa and I and not save for retirement. So what did I do? 
I got my first job in Wall Street. And I'm like, you got a 401k? Oh, you got one of those. Great. Uh, uh, how much is your match? I don't, I don't, can I ask that? And they're like, yeah, we match 3% dollar for dollar. I'm like, great. Well, um, put, it, put, it, put as much as I can in. Can I do 10%? We're all taught to do that. And then right mm-hmm. from our paycheck, before we even get it, the money goes into the 401k because that's what we've been taught to do. Mm-hmm. What everybody is doing is you are literally giving up control of your money. And mm-hmm. your money, that $100 that you make, is the most valuable $100 you will ever have. And you just gave mm-hmm. up control of it in exchange to get that money back sometime in the future when taxes go up, when inflation hits those dollars. So you're getting paid back with weaker dollars. We literally do mm-hmm. things with money we would never do with things that money buys. You'd never mm-hmm. go out there and buy a loaf of bread, put it in your freezer, and then not take that loaf of bread out to eat it for five, 10 or 15 years. You wouldn't even eat it if that was the case. <laughs> I mean, like uh, this, that seems silly, but let's go one more round. Like, would you ever buy your dream car? And right as the, the dealership or whoever you buy it from gives you the keys, you're like, oh, I can't drive this for five, 10 or 15 years. I got to wait. <laughs> do that? Would you, would you buy your dream house? You and your significant other, you go out and you pick out your dream house and you're just getting ready to close on that dream house. And you go to your significant other, your spouse, and you say, oh, sweetie, hold on a second. <laughs> We can't move in. We can't move in for five, 10 or 15 years. Like, I know we're laughing about this. It's it's hard not to laugh about that, but you know what? Stop laughing because that's exactly what you do with your money. So the joke's on you. You are doing things with your money. You would never do with things that money buys and it's stealing your financial freedom. I'm putting Mm. it point blank. And what Mm. the wealthy have changed from the Rockefellers to the Rothschilds to the Ray Crocs to the Walt Disney's to the Bidens to the McCain's to the Warren Buffett's, I could go on for hours. It's all factual. <laughs> they changed one thing. They figured out that to be in control of their money, they have to just change where that money goes first. Mm-hmm. They can't give up control to a bank or to Wall Street. They got to understand compound interest, which is what Albert Einstein talked about. And they got to change where their money goes first so that that money can be in their control. They can use it and take it whenever they want. But most importantly, that money perpetually earns interest. Now, this is the part that everybody thinks they know, but mm-hmm. nobody knows. It's called compound interest. Mm -hmm. We all think we understand it, but we really don't because what we understand is compound Mm -hmm. interest can only be earned when we take our money, put it somewhere and just, oh, can't touch it. Got to leave it sit there. If I, if I take it, if I take that money out, it stops earning interest. So, (laughs) so what you're juggling, I'm I'm, kind of having fun with this, but you're juggling control with compound interest. You think it's one, you think you have to make a decision. I have to give up control and leave that money and not touch it to make money Mm -hmm. on it. Or I can have that money and then I don't make anything on it. We think that's how it works. But what if I told you Mm -hmm. that isn't how it works? You can have your cake and eat it too. In other words, Mm -hmm. you can change one thing where that money goes first, earn compound interest, but then still have Mm -hmm. access to some or all of that money to use, to go out there and reinvest, to go out there and buy cars, to go out there and do all the things that you do today. But when you do that, your money continually earns uninterrupted compound interest. Now, let me take it to something that most of you should know. And if you don't just Google it, it's easy. A gentleman by the name of Albert Einstein, a mathematician, Mm -hmm. a a genius, as most would say. Mm -hmm. Albert Einstein called compound interest the most powerful thing in the world. Now, I'm going to say it's the most powerful thing in the financial universe, but he said the most powerful thing in the universe. Mm -hmm. He said, those that understand it, earn it. Those Mm -hmm. that don't, Pay it. Pay it. Mm-hmm. 
we all have heard that, but we never actually dive into, well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. It means exactly what I just said. Those that understand it, the wealthy, the banks, Wall Street, all those people that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. they understand it. They earn it. Those mm-hmm. that don't, I hate to say this, us, mm-hmm. us. We pay it. We pay mm-hmm. mortgages. We pay car payments. We pay credit card payments. We pay line mm-hmm. of credit payments. I mean, I could keep going on and on, but we have been taught to pay interest, not mm-hmm. earn interest. And this whole euphoria that's going on right now of the stock market and the real estate bubbles and real estate's the greatest asset and the greatest investment you can ever make with your money. But you have to understand that it, you can only make money in real estate if you buy the real estate low. You have to buy it at the right price. Even though the market's high, there are tons of real estate investors buying real estate at the right price. But I hear it every day at the gym, out in, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm at the restaurant, oh, you know, we're buying real estate, we're buying duplexes, we're buying rentals. And, and then you hear that word, we're using a realtor. Oh, the price, we, we're, getting out, <laughs> we're getting outbid on every property. We, well, we just, we, just, we just paid what they wanted because we had to have that property. Mm-hmm. To make money, you have to buy low, sell high and not lose money. But what's everybody do? Buys high because it feels good to buy when the market's high. And then what do mm-hmm. they do when the market tanks like 08 or last year? They sell they got low. Ne- negative equity or they have to get yeah. sold out. It gets repossessed in the worst case too. Absolutely. They mm-hmm. lose money. And, mm-hmm. and so back to this compound interest, if we just changed where that money went and we had the ability to earn it, mm-hmm. now all of a sudden we hold all the keys. We hold all the keys to building wealth. But now mm-hmm. let me, let me can, can I just do a, a quick, and I know I didn't tell everybody where that one change is, but I might just defer <laughs> him to watch a video, but because we might run out of time. But here's, here's one of the most pivotal things that I teach. And, and folks, everything that I teach, I give away for free. Like mm-hmm. if people want to work with me, they, they literally have to jump through hoops sometimes because I just love teaching this because no Nobody mm-hmm. else will teach it to you because yeah, there's you do, no money. We, in you it. do weekly classes every like week, you, every week, every week. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's the thing. Like everybody wants to build wealth, right? You all want to make money. That's why everybody watches YouTube videos and all these get rich quick things. And you know, that's why they're part of your, they want wealth and they mm-hmm. should want wealth because wealth is freedom. Wealth and money is a tool that gives you the permission slip to do it to what, what you want. So you want, mm-hmm. here's the secret. You want to build wealth, stop, thinking you have to work harder. Stop thinking Mm -hmm. you have to work longer. Stop thinking you have to give up control. Stop thinking you have to take on more Mm -hmm. risk. Look at what you do every single month. What do you do? You give away your wealth. You make money. You're good at it. Mm -hmm. And as you make money, what do you do? You give up 90 cents of every dollar you make to somebody else. The car Mm -hmm. payments, the credit card payments, all those things. Just look at where your money goes every month. Mm -hmm. What if I told you that one change I mentioned that the wealthy figured out? If we change that one thing, what if I told you you could build wealth through your own debts and expenses that you already have? Doesn't make sense yet, but it will. (laughs) But that sounds good, right? It blew blew my mind when you broke this down the first time for me. It does. It's so simple. And I can't believe this isn't taught to kindergartners because it is the simplest mathematical thing you can ever do. So let's Mm. go back to what I just said, because some of you might have missed that or been like, oh, wait, wait, what did he say that was so good? (laughs) I said that you can build wealth through the debts and expenses that you already have. So Mm. now let me break that down. Every single month you make payments to other people's banks. Okay, Mm -hmm. it could be Visa, Amazon credit card, could be GM Finance, Mercedes Finance, whoever you rate your payments to. You're Mm -hmm. giving away principal and interest payments to them and they're Mm -hmm. getting rich off of you. And you don't think anything of it because you're using the car, you got all these things. But what if you could take back the money that you're giving away? 
Let's go to the credit cards. Now, how, how would we do this? So let me do the example. It's hard without a visual, but just follow with me, folks. Mm-hmm. You make $100. You change where that money goes first. The money that you would normally save goes into your private bank, not somebody else's bank. Then we take that money out of our private bank. Now, when we took that money out, I got to be clear, and I'm going to explain what that private bank is. When we take that money out, we never took our money. Our money still sits in our account mm-hmm. earning interest because that's the only way you can earn un- uninterrupted compound interest is to not move your money. So mm-hmm. how can I be holding my money when I didn't take my money out? It's called an insurance company. Not a lot of people understand how insurance companies work and what specifically giant mutually owned life mm-hmm. insurance companies that pay dividends are specifically what I'm talking about. You mm-hmm. see, they have all the money and they mm-hmm. want to move their money too. So when you've got money parked in an insurance company sitting there on deposit, they are happy to give you money from their general account because they want to they want to loan their money out too, just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. But now I said a swear word, Dan. I said loan. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, why would I want to take a loan from the insurance company? I don't want more loans. I want to pay off all those loans. You said I want to build <laughs> wealth through the money I'm giving away or something. Mm-hmm. Right. So why would I take loans? Because these loans don't have to be paid back. What if you could Mm -hmm. take a loan from an insurance company, collateralized by the money that's in your account at the insurance company, Mm -hmm. and the insurance company then said to you, you don't ever have to pay us this loan back. We don't care. And that being 100% factual and truthful, the insurance company doesn't care if you ever pay that loan that they just gave you back. They've got collateral with your money. They have collateral, but they have mm-hmm. one other thing that they did to promise you. Now, let me explain what this magic account is that I'm talking about at that giant mutually owned insurance company. You all have heard about it. And I and I failed to tell you what it was because as soon as I tell you what it is, you're going to think you know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. That vehicle, that machine where we're putting our money, that private bank is nothing other than a whole life insurance policy from a mutually owned company that pays dividends. However, before you even start rolling your heads or taking a bathroom break, sit your butt down because you got to hear this next part. It is not a whole life like you've ever seen. It is not built to work like life insurance. It is built mm-hmm. to work like banking. It's the same mm-hmm. reason why banks are the number one purchasers of this, but it's, mm-hmm. it is a whole life policy, but it's built backwards. Mm-hmm. And it gives you unique abilities that your bank account mm-hmm. gives you today. So now let's go back. Now we're talking about a specially designed and engineered whole life policy, which is that private magic bank that every one of you were very excited about. But as soon as I told you what it was, you're like, oh, I'm not excited anymore. Okay. So remember, <laughs> when you took out that specially designed whole life, the insurance company guaranteed you an interest rate on your money, guaranteed contractually. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your bank doesn't mm-hmm. do that, but the insurance company can because they guarantee things. Then they pay you a dividend every year because they're mutually owned. So now you're way better than a bank account and way better than most Wall Street accounts because it's guaranteed. Mm-hmm. But when you took that contract out, the insurance company not only guaranteed you the interest rate, they guaranteed you a death benefit the day you graduate. So that someday we're all going to die, okay? Mm-hmm. Which is a nice. That's why I've called graduation day is the ultimate, you know, day. Ultimate graduation. Day we die. Mm-hmm. Yep, your graduation day. They promise the death benefit will be paid to your beneficiaries. So remember that loan that we are so like excited about because we didn't have to pay it back. What is that loan? It's in advance of the, the death, death benefit. benefit. The insurance company promised to pay your beneficiaries, so that's why they don't care if it comes back. 
they got to pay it someday anyway. So now I'm holding the money in my hand, which I am. I'm holding a hundred dollar bill. Okay. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do with this money? This is where the magic comes in. If I know that my money's still in my account earning interest, I've mm -hmm. got this loan that never needs to be paid back. What am I going to do with this? Well, let's start with where is your money going? So let's start with the smallest credit card you have. Let's say you owe Visa, I don't know, a thousand bucks. I'm going to take the money from my account that loan the insurance company gave me. I'm going to pay Visa off. Now, everyone would be happy if they didn't have to pay one of their credit cards monthly payments. But you see, I got to break some hard news to you. You're still going to pay it, but you're going to change the name on the check. You used to write a check every month to Visa. Okay. Cause that's mm -hmm. just what you did, but now we're still going to make that check payable, but we're going to write your name on it. So instead of writing Visa on there, you're going to write the bank of Chris Noggle. I'm mm -hmm. just using me as an example. <laughs> we're, all, we're all paying Chris, don't worry. Yeah, we're paying we yourself. <laughs> it's, it's my private bank. So I'm going to make a check payable back to the bank of Chris Noggle, which is nothing mm -hmm. more than that specially designed whole life. Because mm -hmm. this money that I'm paying back to myself is not new money. It's money I was giving away to Visa every month. Mm -hmm. And I never thought twice about it. So mm -hmm. why would you think twice about changing the name on the check and just having that money go back to you? Mm -hmm. Now imagine that concept. I just did one credit card, right? What if you went down the line on every credit card you had, and you just kept doing the same thing. How fast could you pay all those credit cards off? You, I, I don't, can't give you the answer because I don't know your situation. But tell <laughs> you, it will be way faster than you could ever dream. Because remember, when you try to pay credit cards off, you try to work harder, take your extra money and pay the credit card off. And you're always fighting the velocity of the interest rate the credit card company's charging you. Mm -hmm. But now we took back that velocity. If Visa was charging me 20% before I was giving up 20% every month, now all of a sudden I'm paying that 20% back to my bank. I just put velocity and control back in my favor. So now mm -hmm. I've got that extra 20% plus the interest that my account has been earning uninterrupted. Then now all I do is I just take money out again and I pay the next credit card down and the next one and the next one. And when all the credit cards are gone, now all of a sudden you've recaptured all the money you used to give away to them, plus all the interest rates you were giving away to credit cards, which is super fun because most credit cards are over 20%. Mm -hmm. So now we move to the next fun part, cars. We all have a car, we need one to, I mean, you have a car, right? Actually, I just Uber everywhere down here. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're you're in a unique place, which we all envy you. Yes, yes. Listen, folks, I want to be clear. We're all working in what I'm teaching. We're all trying to get where he's at because he's in paradise. So um, imagine this. Like Now, you're kind of understanding the concept now. Just draw a yeah. circle. Your money's starting on the left. It's moving to the right, and then it's coming back to the left. And you keep mm -hmm. it all, and you control it all. So now mm -hmm. imagine if you just kept doing that, but now all of a sudden, every single car that you ever buy for the rest of your life. Imagine if when you bought that car, you mm -hmm. had a mechanism to get all the money back for every car you ever buy, drive and own. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that be cool if you could just get all the money back for every car? So like you got that car and not, you could do this with Ubers, but you'd have to act. <laughs> now for, for people like Dan, the concept would be a little more complex. What we would do if we were Dan is we would use this banking system that I'm teaching you to buy the car. Okay, let's call yeah. it a Prius because a lot of Ubers are Prius. We buy the mm -hmm. Uber or the Prius. Then what mm -hmm. we do is we lease that car through a monthly arrangement to an Uber driver. The mm -hmm. Uber driver goes out and does what they do, drives Dan mm -hmm. around in his own <laughs> car, but they make <laughs> monthly payments back to Dan every single month. And mm -hmm. Dan then gets all the money back for every single car he leases out to the Uber drivers. I know mm -hmm. that's a whole nother level, but like, that's real. I get you. you do that. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. You could do that. Mm -hmm. So folks, like I know I'm getting into the weeds here, but like all you did is changed one thing. 
And that mm-hmm. one thing put uninterrupted compound interest in your favor and gave you access and control to your money that you then went out there and you took back the money that you're giving away. In other words, you built wealth through the debts and expenses you already have because building wealth doesn't mean you have to take more risk. It just means you have to take back the money that you're giving away every month. You're de-risking by taking stands. back control. Absolutely. It's all you're doing. Mm-hmm. Everything I teach from the most simple concepts to the most advanced all come back to one thing. I am teaching people how to take back control of their mm-hmm. money because their mm-hmm. whole life they've been taught to give up control. And that's the only thing that needs to change. And I can't think of a better time in history to be teaching this because what's coming in the next couple of years, oh, what's it coming that long. I don't and know the, if it will. The, the illusion, the, the, the card tricks that they're playing. I mean, I was laughing. Um, one of my mates, um, his, his, his life partner got 300 and something thousand idol. Between wow. the two of them, half a million dollars. And they're just printing this stuff and just they're just doing a, a shady trick of moving it from the liabilities to the asset by making it a liability for other people. And they're just trying to prop everything up. Propping up, propping up, propping up. Yeah, all this printing of money, everybody thinks it's for our benefit. Oh, well, now I don't have to get, I don't have to pay for this. I get this for free. I got that money for free. Nothing in life is free. Okay, so everything that's happening now, you will pay for and you will pay mm-hmm. 10x what you actually receive, but you don't know mm-hmm. that yet. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. So the government's doing this intentionally. A lot of people think it's for the greater good. It's not. The government is trying to keeping, create. It's keeping the game. Exactly. Yeah. The, the government is trying to create these asset bubbles. The government is trying to create inflation and, and it's working. Because they, if everybody understood what inflation was, well, they do, they think they do. They go to Mm -hmm. the grocery store and milk costs more, bread costs more, lumber, Mm -hmm. we're not even going to go there. That's not inflation, that's supply and demand. But Mm -hmm. when the government prints this crazy money and just, you know, help, we call it helicopter money, gives it Mm -hmm. to everybody and anybody. (laughs) What's happening is the money that you have worked hard for, this hundred dollars that you went and worked hard for, Every dollar they print has to get value from somewhere. Fort Knox is no longer a thing. Gold is no longer the standard. So where does mm-hmm. the, the money they print get value? Look in your system. pocket, look in your bank mm-hmm. account, look at the money you earn. It's mm-hmm. stealing it from your current dollars, which is why your money is worth the most today. It's worth more today than it will ever be worth. Mm-hmm. And it's because every day they print money, they're stealing mm-hmm. value from your money and your dollars become weaker and weaker. So why would you give up your most valuable dollars in exchange for getting them back someday in the future? I don't know, you gotta look in the mirror and ask yourself that question. Makes no sense. It's in in what is coming in, God, if it makes it two years, we'll be lucky, is going to be one of the biggest collapses of the financial system of Wall Street, of the stock market that any of you have ever seen, unless you live through the Great Depression. And God forbid we go that bad, but I think it's going to be worse. Now, some of you are like, oh, he's a doomsdayer. No, actually, I am the most optimistic person you'll probably ever meet because Mm -hmm. I look at what's coming as the greatest single opportunity of my lifetime because it will only happen once. Mm -hmm. But it it is only an opportunity if one thing changes for me. And that is that I control my dollars today. Because when this happens, you will go from an inflationary period, which you're in today, to a very rapidly declining deflationary period. Sounds bad, doesn't it? Shouldn't. Mm -hmm. It should sound like an opportunity. It should smell like an opportunity because all that real estate is going to go down in price. Everything that you would want to invest in or buy from stocks to bonds. Well, maybe not bonds, but from Mm -hmm. definitely all the stocks, they just got 30%, 40%, 50, maybe 80% cheaper than they are today. Mm -hmm. So how do you not make money 
if you can buy things 30, 40, 50% off or percent mm-hmm. off, you can't, you can't lose money. You can only make it. <laughs> and, and if you want proof of that, why is it Warren Buffett, and, and I'll just pick on Bill Gates too, because because they're high profile. Why oh, is on, it he's that- He's taking it in the chin at the moment, Bill. <laughs> he, he is, but but most people don't even understand. I don't, I don't know, and I, this is speculation, but the divorce I think is a reason in a way for them to sell out of a lot of stocks right now, because he's got to do that asset so. transfer transfer to his. Now so. you've probably heard that and a lot of like, ah, that's speculation. Maybe not. Well, but they're still working together on the foundation. I just- <laughs> ah, Yes, there you go. People, people, only- people, that, people that are smart, anyway. If people only understood <laughs> complex trust and private foundations, they yeah. might understand why this is happening. But it's factual. You guys can all look this up. Warren Buffett and Bill Gates are selling off large portions of their stock portfolio only mm-hmm. to buy a few, which is transportation and pharma, but they're selling mm-hmm. off a lot. So why would they be selling? These are long-term investors. Why is mm-hmm. Ray Dalio wagging the, he, that, Ray Dalio is a billionaire who doesn't even ever need to go in front of a camera another day nope. in his life. He doesn't got, matter. He, he, doesn't, at, he doesn't make any money selling books. He's not selling he, courses on Instagram. Nothing. <laughs> he's, he's made enough money to live 10 lifetimes like a king. It doesn't matter what Ray Dalio does, but Ray Dalio is in the news, it seems like every day, ringing the warning bell saying what's coming, but nobody's listening. They're like, who's this Ray Dalio guy? Oh, he only Mm -hmm. owns and created and founded the largest hedge fund in the world that manages Mm -hmm. China's money and everybody else's. So Mm -hmm. you might want to listen to him because he knows what's coming, so does Warren, and so Mm -hmm. does Bill Gates. And what's coming to them is a massive opportunity because guess Mm -hmm. what? You'll see Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and Ray Dalio in the news every day. And you know what it'll be when everything's falling apart and everybody else is losing everything, they'll be buying everything. Mm-hmm. Because when the market crashes, money doesn't evaporate. It just changes hands. It mm-hmm. goes from the people losing to the people that are going to make it all. And that's mm-hmm. how they got there. So folks, mm-hmm. like you just need to change what side of that you're on. And mm-hmm. to do that, you got to stop thinking that you're missing out of re- on returns today. You got to stop mm-hmm. buying into this euphoria of, oh, everybody else is investing. I have to invest. Stop mm-hmm. investing. Get mm-hmm. out of the market if you can't. Well, none of you can accept the risk and the, the losses that are coming, but you might think you can. So you can stay in if you really think you can weather it. You can't, but mm-hmm. get out and then wait for this whole thing to go. Mm-hmm. Don't even, you don't need to be good at stocks. You don't need to be good at buying anything. All you need to do mm-hmm. is just watch what Warren mm-hmm. Buffett and those guys do. And when they start being on the news that they're buying this or buying that, that might be a sign that you should start buying too. But at that point, most people will be selling because they've already lost more than they can handle to lose. Again, mm-hmm. I said it earlier, to make money, you got to buy low, sell high and not lose money. But mm-hmm. most people buy high, sell mm-hmm. low and lose money. And mm-hmm. that's why the wealthy just get richer. And you know, Warren Buffett says that if the, if the poor would just do what the rich do, they wouldn't be poor anymore. And I, mm-hmm. I say that reluctantly because like, he's the only one that could say that. If I said that, I'd be freaking... <laughs> Beat up and people would hate on me, but like it's the God's honest truth. If you just mm-hmm. learn what the wealthy do with money, you mm-hmm. can mimic and duplicate exactly what they're doing by just do what they do, follow what they do. But it's the opposite of everything everybody is telling you to do. That's the hard part. And Sorry, I went on a tangent that, there. No, no, no. But but the thing is, because we're just wrapping this up now, I want to make sure people know how to, to, to get in contact with you. But this is what you're doing. And, and guys, we'll pop some links uh, for you to, to jump on, on Chris's email list and I'll pop some links to, to, to his books. Um, we'll pop some information for you. To, but every week, 
week after week after week, Chris is literally giving up his time, bringing in other people. I've learned some crazy things on these weekly webinars where he's actually giving you exactly the strategies that you can do to be that the, the rich are actually employing. You know, like I said, we bring him into my top coaching programs to come in and show people exactly what to do with their money. And there's people from all over the world as well. It's not just people from this or people from that. Everybody's got something that they can learn. Sometimes we have to make some tweaks in order for it to work in your local, your local jurisdiction, but it can all be done. There is no reason for you to be on the wrong side of this, this equation. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. Why don't you tell them about the, I know you said that there's, there's somebody coming up. We're, we're, we're moving. We've actually bumped Chris up from the schedule because you've got a badass event coming up, a two day event coming up soon. Why don't you tell the guys a little bit about that and how they can get involved? So we're doing an event and we do these events only so many times. We don't do too many of them. It's a two day event and it's going to teach you all about this privatized banking concept, but it's going to teach you the advanced strategies, like how to get paid to drive a company car, how to use this in business applications, real estate applications. It's literally two straight days of us just teaching you. It's not just me either. It's me mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of people. We've got Solomon teaching 1040 private foundations and things that most people don't even know except for the wealthy. We've mm-hmm. got all this stuff lined up in two days. And the best thing is, is if you can't make the dates, we send you the recordings. It's mm-hmm. 50 bucks, folks. It's $50. We literally would give it to, away for free. And we, we actually have to put some value on well, you have to, and we literally did, we did some research on this. We said, what is the minimum amount that somebody actually, when they pay it, they actually psychologically in their mind, take it as a value. And do you know what that number is? $45. I don't know why, but it's $45 that when someone spends that, they actually take there's something that happens in your brain that makes mm-hmm. you take it serious. So we charge $50, actually $49 for mm-hmm. these two days. And mm-hmm. I would do it for free, but we just wouldn't have people that would take it the serious. Science. So they, folks, you, you literally, you owe it to yourself to be there. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. don't care if you got to get somebody else to take the kids to soccer, take, <laughs> take some time off of your golf lessons or whatever you're doing to be here. If, if I can in two days show you how to change your entire financial future, for $50, like what excuse do you have not to be there? Oh, you, I know you all will find excuses. <laughs> you always do. But you know what? That's the difference between the 5% and the 95%. The 5% make exceptions and don't make excuses. They show up to the game and they apply knowledge. The 95%, they just conform to what everybody tells them. So you also need to look at yourself in the mirror and say, am I the 5 percenters or am I the 95% to conform? Because the 5%, you know what they do? They create. And if you want to create your financial future, you will be at that event. 100%. Well, Chris, you've literally, as always, come and bring the, brought the fire. I really, really appreciate you. Guys, uh, make sure you head over to all of the links. Um, follow Chris on Instagram as well. He looks, recently got the blue tick over on the old gram as well. I'm not far behind you. I've got a couple of, couple of irons in the fire on that. Um, and he's always doing stuff on his Facebook as well. And he's got the, the, we're going to pop links for you to hang out with Chris. He's someone that you really need to know. Check out his books as well. You've heard his story. You saw he didn't come from some silver spoon situation. He literally pulled himself from dirting it down snow, snow (laughs) ramped by the side of the golf course to now just spending time teaching the world how they can spin around and actually start applying these principles. So thank you for all you are. Thank you for all you do, Chris. Really appreciate you. It was my honor and privilege. Thank you. Thank you. 
Guys, be sure to tune in next week. Uh, share this with a friend who also recognizes that in order to get and create, you need to take back control. Uh, there's some tips and st strategies here. Make sure you go ahead and come and hang out with us on the 22nd of May. I'm going to be there too, learning at the feet of these great masters. Uh, till next time, you can consciously choose a more abundant, joyful, wealthy, purpose-driven life. Keep dreaming with your eyes open. See you on the other side and bye for now. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Beyond Success Podcast. We hope that it has been of service to you. For more information and to stay up to date with the latest from Daniel Mangana, please head over to dreamwithdan.com. We'll see you for the next one.